podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so a disaster weekend for many as uh, Liverpool Man United was called off by indignant fans. I mean, most teams were about 11 men. Unfortunately, it was quite on Twitter due to the blackout. So you couldn't see people saying, oh, they're a terrible week. I'm just on 50. Oh, didn't miss it at all. Yeah, there was a blackout. Uh, we partook. So there's no kind of questions in this pod. However, we have a lot to talk about. And accordingly, too, we're joined by a guest, one of the greatest managers of all time as well, in Arch Southampton fan, shaking her head, uh, Lucy Heiner, uh, who you can find at Lucy Heiner on Twitter. Brilliant to have you on, Lucy. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, yes, I am Lucy Heiner. I am not one of the greatest managers of all time, but apparently that's been popularised this season, so I'll carry on. Um, yeah, I am probably known for my love of Southampton, which I have to say was a more useful skill probably five years ago than it is now when it comes to FPL. Uh, still, went down to 10 men this, this weekend and didn't capitulate, so I will take that as a win. Um, yeah, and just very nice to be here and not be communicating via GIFs and DMs, which is what we always seem to be. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, I heard you got a, a sneaky green arrow as well. So uh, well done there. Absolutely bossing it this season. It's, it's brilliant to have a, a real GOAT on the pod. Um, so yeah, we, we are Who Got The Assist. Uh, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, Tom at WGTN score FPL. Myself at WGTN score Nick and Anthony at FPL Stag. And we're also on Instagram if you use that. You can find us there, WGTA.FPL and our mini league as well if you want to join the code is cpsulf so yeah we're, we're joined by anthony fpl stag as always how are you hello everyone good to be back again nice bank holiday weekend for all of us and uh, less football with that united game being cancelled but it was good because it was the only real good day of sunshine here in ireland on sunday so i was able to enjoy it instead the this week's pod um obviously we're not taking questions as tom alluded to but what we are going to look at instead is what i think is the best way to quantify a player's FPL brilliance and that is whether they're able to clear the 200 point mark in a given season and some players do it consistently some come and go some show signs that they're capable of doing it and eventually succeed and we'll be considering those players this week we do have the correspondence section and that returns with a question from friend of the show Rishi who's wondering about the best midfielders in FPL right now but as Tom said what we don't have owing to the blackout our listeners questions but like social media companies mine your data to know what you want, we know the questions you probably want answered about the blanks and doubles to come. So we have those for you instead. But first up, we're going to start with the gaming reviews and the market forces. Yeah, the gaming reviews. And I think it's uh, it was a game we entered with a lot of hope, a lot of kind of, you know, gusto. And it's really fallen on its backside, hasn't it? Due to the fact that many players were ruled out and we've all been kind of scrabbling together to get the second and third players off the bench to add to the overall scores. And uh, it's been a poor one for all of us. As usual, it's been the poorest one for me, um, I'm fairly sure. No objections by the looks of it. Nope. Um, so I think I've ended up with, drum roll please, 25 points, which has been absolutely fantastic. The only returns I got were a clean sheet from Veltmania and the assist from Nacho. That was pretty much it. Salah, Bruno, Greenwood, uh, TAA and Jota were all in that Liverpool Man United game, so they didn't play. Um Rudy Gorse didn't bother to show up, so it meant that I had on the bench Tyrick Mitchell, one point. Hooray! Yeah, not very good. I did decide in the end basically to roll the transfer, thinking, oh, two transfers is going to be great ahead of double game week. Was looking at things like, I don't know, moving Bruno for Bale. 
didn't do it and obviously it feels a bit annoying now that i didn't do it but at the time logic was completely sound to not do it um but i'm definitely staring on the barrel of a very very large green uh red arrow wish it was green um but no i'm i'm definitely staring down the barrel of a very very large red arrow but it is what it is i've got two free transfers double gaming coming up yeah it's annoying but i'll take it no i won't take it but you know what i mean anthony i think you're next on you I am indeed, and I am the happiest I've ever been with a 27% rank drop to 31k from 24.5k-ish because of 31 points. I I genuinely feel like I've gotten away with murder this game week because I was going to be running a diminished team anyway, as it turned out, before the United game was ever cancelled. I'd already had the Rudiger injury, I'd already had Holding not show up. Diaz hadn't shown up and that already had me down to 10 players and then to be honest losing Shaw, Alexander-Arnold, Fernandez, Greenwood, Jota that was fine it's okay I was totally okay with that because it meant that everyone else was at least um, running diminished teams with me so in the end I only was able to get points from six players seven of my squad played but two of them were goalkeepers so I could only get the clean sheet from one of those two so those six players getting me to 31 points all in all I think I can't actually be disappointed with the Key player in that was the player who I actually brought in on my transfer. I sold Salah and brought in Son, thank goodness. So I got his 12 points. I unfortunately didn't captain him. I captained him, I'd probably had a green arrow, which would have been hilarious given the small number of players I had. But I captained Kane uh, like almost everyone else, so that was disappointing. I also had the Hinacho five-pointer, Lingard's two, Keenan Davis's one, and uh, the Mendy seven-pointer as well. I think really the story for me, though, is that I... That 50-50 call where I sold Gundogan and Wood for Greenwood and Davis rather than selling Diaz um, instead of Wood has been like a 30-point kick over two game weeks. And it's like it's such an unexpected way to have really dropped 30-ish points in selling Wood and keeping City players. But such is the way these things go. I wasn't too annoyed about it last week. I'm trying not to be too annoyed about it this week, but I guess... Now the top 10K is 39 points away, and I know we've had a little bit of a change in the schedule and things, which suits me more because I was going to probably about seven players for the blank as it was to be. If it is changed up with United actually not blanking, it means that I am in a far, far better scenario than I was going to be in. But still, I feel like that top 10K is probably out of reach after taking losing about seven points on the template this week. And Lucy, I believe it's you who's next. Yes, I got 40 just about. Um again, my most like most just like most people, I um had 3 out to the to the postponement, so I had 0 minutes on the bench, so that was really helpful uh, holding Rudiger um and Gundogan not playing. So, yes, nothing from the bench, but I did have Watkins, Ianacho, Son and Beltman. Uh, give me some points. So I'm on a 10 place green arrow, which I will take and run with. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was going to say, at your <laughs> overall rank, what, what's your overall rank now? For 800 or so? 800? 917. 917, yeah. So a 10, point, a 10 place green is basically the same as like a 200k green for most people. So, yeah, awesome stuff. And uh, <laughs> at the bottom of the pile, no, at the top of the tree, obviously, it's Nick. Yeah, so so I got 42 points. Not quite um, as high a rank, unfortunately, as Lucy, but I'm sitting around um, 94k now, so it's a 6k green arrow, which, you know, I, I, as I say, I'll take, but I, I really want something a bit better than that at this stage of the season to try and, you know, drive up the rank and stuff. But yeah, it, it started a bit 
dodgy. I mean, I got the five pointers from Ian Atcher, like everybody else, but then I also had um, Gundogan and Pulisic not turn up, so zero pointers from those guys, a bit rubbish. Then I had the Everton Aston Villa game because of those other guys not turning up. I ended up with two Villa defenders and one Everton defender in that game, which I really didn't actually want. And obviously, that and both teams conceded, um, so Holgate and Conso and Martinez. Um, but luckily, I also had Ollie Watkins who sort of showed up with an eight pointer. Uh, the Manu and Liverpool game being cancelled, I guess it kind of worked out in my favour to a certain extent because I didn't own Salah, had the likes of um, Trent and Jota and uh, Fernandez, but it meant that I could uh, partake in Veltmania and, and get six points off the bench there, which um, were much appreciated. Um, had a size play tonight, two-pointer, and Captain Kane, like everyone else, was two-pointer, but uh, luckily I got from Son a, a nice 12-pointer, had taken me to... 42 points all out, which, you know, as I said, it's a small green at this stage of the season that, um, you know, a green arrow is a green arrow, so I can't complain too much listening to the rest of you guys and what happened. I don't know how the market's going to react to that, Nick. Uh, just quickly this week, how is the market reacting to that and the market forces? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously the, the cancellation of the United-Liverpool game has, has created a little bit of, sh- of a shift, I guess, in terms of who we're transferring in, who we're targeting, because there's a potential double now for Liverpool, which is um, quite exciting. But um, in terms of the market, it hasn't really reacted too quickly to that announcement. Currently, the kind of the focus, I guess, is on those other teams that had a double and then a single. So we've been talking on the last pod a little bit about likes of Everton and Palace and Southampton uh, but actually in, in terms of the most transferred in player it's uh, it's uh, Lucy's man James Ward-Prowse right now um, so he's had 49,000 transfers in at time of recording leading the uh, the total transfers in I don't, I don't know what you think about that um, Lucy obviously as a Southampton fan do you think uh, Ward-Prowse is a good player to target for the close of the season? I actually um, had my eyes on DWP for this week, uh, but that will probably change as a result of the kind of rearranged fixture if, if that kind of comes off. But yeah, I think I probably underestimated him um, kind of going into the season and kind of, I have to apologise because I have actually told some people to avoid um, on the basis that he predominantly plays as a defensive midfielder. And I didn't think that that would be offset um, significantly enough by his set pieces. Um I think his set pieces have gone up a level this this season. I think he's he's you know he's got probably four direct free kicks, and obviously the Ings injury means that he's on penalties, which is a pretty massive um, plus. The only downside being he's not actually very good at penalties, which I find amazing. You know, for someone who is so good at every other type of set piece, he he just isn't very good at penalties. Um, but yeah, I, I would be having a gamble on him kind of in normal circumstances but given given that we're likely to see that kind of rearrangement now he probably wouldn't be a priority for me right now James Ward Prowse is affected by the same syndrome that Leo Messi has so that's quite interesting oh, yeah brilliant. <laughs> yeah I think it's, it's true it's completely true I like it yeah <laughs> He's been picking up a few um, assists as well from the corners as well this season. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of understand why you're kind of saying not to target him to a certain extent because he does feel a little bit of a sort of a set-piece merchant. He gets all his points and penalties, free kicks, assists from corners. But, you know, they have been sort of racking up over the course of the season. So that's why a lot of people looking at him. Obviously, he got a penalty against Leicester this week and, and Southampton do have that double game week and then no blank. Um, they've got likes of Palace and, and Fulham coming up as well, which... Um, You'd like to think that he might get a return against those guys. 
but otherwise, um, Ian Acho, he's also being heavily transferred in, uh, 47,000 transfers in, time recording, just the assist this week, as we said, but, you know, he's in such a hot streak that you just can't avoid him, really. I feel like he's just going to have to be in everyone's team, and he's, he's got such a ridiculously high ownership as well, that if you don't own him and he gets a return, you just get absolutely punished. And, th- and then you've got... Um, a few more players with double game weeks. Um, so Zaha from Palace, 41,000 transfers in for him. Calvert-Lewin, who scored at the weekend, 39,000 transfers in. And Ollie Watkins, 36,000 transfers in. He's on a little bit of a quiet run of form. Um, so he's returned in the last five uh, game weeks, just a goal or an assist each week, but just sort of a slowly drip feed of points, um, which has been pretty much appreciated from my perspective. We'll move on to the transfers out quickly. So Tom's man, Patrick Bamford, um, being heavily sold at the moment, 80,000 transfers out for him. So a lot of people swapping him out for the likes of Nacho and Cavalier and Watkins. Uh, Cresswell also being heavily sold, 56,000 transfers out for him. He's actually got red flag, but he uh, played tonight, so that will surely go. But a lot of people selling him anyway because of the injury. And then um, a couple of the City guys, just obviously there's so much rotation at City at the moment. And Stone's sort of suspended and he's sort of being rested in the league um, to sort of focus on some of those more important matches as far as Pep's concerned, like the Champions League. And uh, Diogo Jota as well, 36,000 transfers out for him. But surely now with the announcement of that double, um, a few people might be thinking twice about selling him. Yeah, I imagine uh, he's going to be one that people... Uh... He's been one who was drinking last, last chance saloon, but perhaps now because of that favourable double game week, potentially we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, not confirmed yet. Don't take this as confirmation, uh, but because of that potential double, perhaps coming his way, uh, many will be uh, uh, holding their axe. All right, let's move on to the main topic this week, which is the 200 club. What is this, you may ask? Um, It's the elite band of players who reach 200 points uh, per season. And we thought we'd kind of step back and have a look at that just because Son, uh, this game week, became a first-time entrant to this very exclusive club as it's by Nick in the summer. Uh, Bruno, of course, as well, is a new kid on the block. But that was, I guess, maybe kind of clearly going to happen. Salah as well, which is one point off. And we thought, you know, this weekend, Son and Zalo will both be joining this club. Obviously, it's not happened with the game being called off at Old Trafford, but we thought with both of them joining the club, it was worth talking about. Um, just in terms of the potted history of this. So, you know, over the last couple of years, what's happened, well, the last five years, actually, I've got data for. Um, the last couple of years, actually, we've been very fortunate because we've had eight players in the 200 plus grouping in that time. Eight players have managed to reach the 200 point ceiling, which is just incredible, really, because if you look at prior seasons, it's been much more fallow. So in 2017-18, only four players reached 200 club. And in 2016-17, it was six. And we're beginning to get to kind of throwback territory here, 2016-17, because the 200 club reads as follows. Alexis Sanchez, the highest scoring player that year. Delhi Ali in second. Eden Hazard in third. Some bloke with Harry Kane in fourth. Romelu Lukaku and Christian Eriksen, who both actually got a trophy um, in uh, rounding off the top six. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne was on 9-9 that year. Over time, Mo Salah's been the most consistent. So since he joined the Premier League in that season, his 300-point season, he's managed to score 200 points every year. So he's been the 200 club four times out of four. He's also the only member of the 300 club ever. Beyond that, there's only two other entrants in the last five years in the 200 club. They are Kane and Raheem Sterling. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, very, very close, it's worth mentioning. So last year and in 2017-18, 
and he got 199 points back in 2016-17. So I think he kind of gets in on a bye, doesn't he? Lots of twos otherwise, so people who have been in it twice, like Sadio Mane last year and the year before, or Bamiang last year and the year before. Same score as well, exact identical score for him, and Eden Hazard. This year, we've got three players in 200 club, and Mohamed Salah, as I said, as good as it in it. Um, that's Bruno on 2-2-1, Kane on 2-2-0, Son on 2-1-1, and Salah on 1-9-9. In fifth, it's Bamford and 166, so it's quite a long way away. I've done some projections as well, so I basically averaged the individual points per minute played and added that to their current total to find the projection. My guess is that Kane is going to finish first in 256, Bruno second, 247, Son third, 236, and Salah fourth on 230. So this year, I think there's only going to be four members of the 200 club, probably halving the number that we've seen in the previous two seasons. To add to the unpredictability of it all, compared to last season, seven of last season's eight in the 200 club have not made it this year. Only Salah has made it. Last season, the 200 club read KDB, Salah, Mane, Trent, Vardy, Aubameyang, Sterling and Martial. Martial got into the 200 club last year. Amazing, eh? So only Jamie Vardy's got a hope of getting in from that list to make it two out of eight. He needs 35 points from four games and so nine points per game. Good luck, Jamie. So, I mean, Nick, you spoke about Son uh, pre-season. Uh, were you kind of glad to see him hit that 200-point mark? And uh, what do you think about the 200 club in general? Yeah, of course I was glad as, as a Spurs fan. It, <laughs> you bring back memories of that sort of 16-17 season where we were actually right at the top, um, sort of fighting for the for the title almost, um, likes of Son and, um, well not likes of Son, likes of Ericsson and Ali and and Kane all really sort of bossing it and such a sort of a great period for Spurs, I guess, in this season. Son and Kane obviously have had excellent seasons, but unfortunately the rest of the, the squad haven't quite pulled their rate with very much been a, a two-man team but yeah it's, it's very interesting really to see the sort of the decline of some of the premium assets over the course of this season compared to last year where you mentioned some of those names that did so well the likes of Anthony Martial obviously um, doing excellent he's been injured for a lot of this season he was also reclassified to a forward so we we're expecting a little bit of a drop off on points from him but the likes of um Aubameyang got reclassified obviously as a forward to a midfielder so we're really expecting him to kind of press on um, even like the likes of Rashford were quite close actually and they also got classified forward to midfielder he was another one that I was thinking pre-season might hit that 200 club if he could maintain that form but unfortunately didn't work out and you know De Bruyne as well mm. dropping a little bit but I think you know when we talk about these sort of players, I guess, um, sort of the 200 club players these are the kind of the key men in our side aren't they really these are the sort of a, critical assets the guys we rely on the guys we give um, the captain's armband to and and we just we just rely on them for that reliability that consistency and I guess this season there's there's not been as many candidates for it you know last year we had this whole sort of Salah versus Mane debate there hasn't been that debate this year um it's basically just been sort of Kane and Salah and Bruno sort of being key fixtures in our team and, and not too many other premiums really knocking on the door um but yeah definitely a, a decline I was actually Actually, I had high hopes on Martinez. I thought he might be able to be the first ever goalkeeper to hit the 200 club. And he was actually on an average rate of hitting it up until four game weeks ago. Uh, but now he's sort of, um, he's joined fifth in terms of overall points with Bamford. But with five games to play, he needs an average of 7.2 points per game in the remaining games. And I guess this stage, it's like sort of the cricket where the run rate is just getting too high to be achievable. So it'd be, it's a bit disappointing, really, because he's had such a, a great season. Uh, but... Yeah, I don't know what you think, Lucy, about the uh, the 200 club. I think this is partly why it's felt 
like the the season for the template um, because we've had such a limited pool of players. Normally, as Tom said, we were looking at kind of um, seven or eight players in that in that group, and you know, cutting that in half is always going to have an impact. And I think normally you'd have looked at. I'm particularly someone like Sterling is is often a very popular pick as someone who's kind of slightly differential. You know, a really explosive option that might bring you kind of back into the reckoning if you slip behind and there just hasn't been that kind of variety available um it's been quite good from one perspective in the sense so you've been able to kind of leave those premium assets and work with the rest of the team and kind of negotiating fixtures and things um but I don't think it's helped people that felt like they'd lost ground at the beginning um kind of try and make up ground so it's quite difficult um but I've obviously enjoyed it because I had them quite early on (laughs) this is actually the thing I think you really nailed onto a point there and it's that sense of predictability that we're paying for uh, with the high price that we pay for these premiums and obviously this year they were a lot of players would have been priced based on their heroics of last season so we had so many players in the 200 club this year or last season who just haven't performed this season and those are the people obviously that were in the early template that didn't fire well the likes of Aubameyang is a, a classic example what I actually did was I looked at a piece of data that we looked at as well last week, which was Chris Tan's uh, poll data uh, when it came to captaincy picks week by week for this season and last season. And what I found was quite interesting was that last year, 35 of the 38 uh, cap- like leaders in the captaincy poll were accounted for in the 200 club. So you had Salah 11 times, Sterling 8 times, Vardy 8 times, KDB 4 times and Martial once so 35 out of the 38 game weeks could be accounted for by these reliable picks this year by comparison it's been all over the place because people have been staggering to try and figure out who is going to be the 200 club player you know for the longest time it wasn't even necessarily certain that Salah would get there Son wouldn't have, you know I know Nick was confident in the preseason but Son wouldn't have necessarily been a clear pick for this as someone who wasn't on penalties for example and for him to get there without those set pe- with, without penalties especially is pretty remarkable Bruno less so and Kane would have been expected to get there too but what that's resulted in is that in only 21 of the 34 game weeks have we seen one of these four 200 club players actually leading the polls for the captaincy so that sense of predictability that we usually pay for hasn't actually been there this season which is I think one of the more interesting things that's come out of looking at these numbers I guess with that comes that kind of sense, as you said, that the tried and tested sort of players who started performing kind of kept performing. And as Lucy said as well, because you didn't have that sturding sort of character, there wasn't that sort of recourse you could go to if you were trying to do something else. We've said that a few times this season that you snooze, you lose, don't bet against the house. That really has been the sort of watchword for how the season has unfolded because there have only been a few kind of really key secure players. You know, last year we were delighting in the fact that you know if it wasn't quite working out with one player. You could draft in the likes of Mane, you could draft in the likes of Vardy, likes of Aubameyang, and they would still do a job for you looking at the overall totals at least. And in Project Restart, of course, you had a player like Martial absolutely exploding onto the scene, as well as just below 200 club, the likes of the Ings and Jimenez, um, you know, two points off, six points off. This year, there's quite a big gap between the top four and the rest of the players who are on the list. And it kind of just means that the sense of predictability works very well if you're in a good position. But it's also meant that you're, if you're not in a good position, and believe me, I know how this feels, um, it's been hard to sort of you know, fight your way back up the hill. It's felt very kind of Sisyphean uh, trying to sort it out. 
I guess sometimes per year you have this sort of the pit, the kind of the pitfall of keeping hold. Like you think, oh, these players, they're so expensive, so I better hold on to them. This week, you know, likes of Bruno, for example, in hindsight, I could have said, as I said earlier on, I should have removed that guy and put Bailey and then captained him. And um, but I mean, looking at the high ownership levels of a guy like Bruno throughout this course of this season, it's felt like it's just been the, the smart move to hold on to this player rather than doing anything else about it. Right. Like it's, it really hasn't been a season to be chopping and changing where Anthony, it's just not been the time to be um, trying to hedge your bets elsewhere. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think back to, uh, I think it was around Christmas time, December, January, February, where Nick and I especially were indulging in kind of a premium roulette. And I think just more often than not, it it ended in tears for me. Nick was going well at the time and I think it worked out okay for him by comparison. Nick is shaking his head violently in disagreement at that thought. So it didn't work out well for either of us trying to outsmart that. And I think it is like I, looking at that four name list, I did not have all four of those in my squad for for you know one game week i would say all season maybe it happened once or twice where i managed to get all four into my team and then started going off compromising trying to uh, beat the template beat the house and inevitably probably fell off with it and i've done a bit better now that i've tried to just keep as many of them as possible in my side at all times yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, did, I don't think it went well for me trying to rotate Salah and Fernandez. If you if you remember, just me getting absolutely punished. Exactly. Yeah. Now yeah, that you yeah. say it, Nick. Yeah, now that you say it, like once you say it, shaking your head, I was just imagining yeah, like, all no, the you go, you came, yeah. yeah, where you, <laughs> came, where you yeah. came on here on a Monday, just like oh my god. It was when um, Salah did that thirty-three minute cameo against oh, the Palace. Palace. You and I both got done by that. We, that was like uh, the one week of thing. I was rotating him out, so. I think I knew it wasn't going to start, but then he still turned up for 33 minutes and just absolutely punished. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with like a lot of those points made. It's definitely just been about the, the four core guys and and we've been, you know, messing around trying to fit them all in all the time. It's just, it's really just not worked out, I guess, in, in certain extents. It's been about some sort of the supporting cast to a certain extent who have sort of emerged whilst Sterling, uh, Sterling and KDB haven't been the stars of Manchester City somehow. And we'd have never predicted this in the preseason. Gundogan has outscored them. You know, Martial was a star for Manchester United this season. Even though Lingard missed a whole half a season, he still outscored, um, he still outscored Martial. Yeah. And, you know, in the last... 10 weeks as well. We've had Ian Acho score nine goals, Vardy just the one. So it's, it's been about sort of some of the emerging characters, I guess, at some of these clubs, as opposed to kind of the tried and tested uh, players that kind of the premium assets from last year that did so well. So uh, it's very interesting that. I think maybe bringing us on a little bit further, that kind of gets us towards like the pitfalls that we've had of keeping hold of some of those players, maybe trusting that they would come good. I know an awful lot of people got burnt by keeping Aubameyang for maybe four or five games at the start of the season. There was two decent fixtures at the start for Arsenal that meant he was very popular. And then a lot of people thought, oh, it's coming, it's coming. I swear, he's going he's gonna to come good. And it just didn't happen for them. And obviously, mm-hmm. De Bruyne is someone who I was burnt by multiple times. Sterling, I think, has been... Um, definitely a difficulty for many and as well um, Trent Alexander-Arnold we always felt like oh but Liverpool they can't possibly continue to be this bad and you could manage to another extent but TAA especially it kind of seemed like he could be Salah-esque as someone who would be a 200 pointer year in year out for five six seven eight nine years in a row and then suddenly for him to be nowhere near it has been a real shock yeah I mean 
it's definitely been stark. The fall off for Mane, for example, 2 3 1 and 80 19, 2 2 1 last year, just 1 3 7 at the moment, and projects to maybe hit 150. Uh, TAA as well last season, um, obviously his break for a year, 2 10. The year before, 185. Um, one year before, I think he was like 5, 5.0 at the start of the season. Madness this year, 1 2 7. And Aubameyang, wow, yeah, I mean, that, that was probably the big hope, wasn't it, everybody? Uh, 205, two years in a row, and now at 120 and not projects to do any better. Um, and as we, as, as we mentioned earlier as well, um, Raheem Sterling, three years in the top, uh, in the top, in the 200 club, and now 140 points. I mean, Lucy, are, are these players as gooses cooked? Is it all over for them, or do we think that there's a chance of redemption next year? Is it the case that they're kind of just lying in wait next year when they're neglected assets? We're all, we should be jumping on and trying to kind of get the uh, steal the march on other people. I think the City one has, has particularly thrown people just because you would expect the kind of dominant team in the league to be to be providing FPL points and they're not really doing that. I think there have been kind of a number of mitigating circumstances, which I wouldn't expect to be the case next season. So we've seen City switch to quite a, a kind of controlled style, which I don't think was the case before. So they're much more aware of the counter-attack. They mm. kind of dominate possession in a different way. They're strangling it, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, they kind of like, they kind of slowly squeeze you to death, which I don't think is quite the way they were playing before. So I think they normally average around the 100 goal mark. So I think they've had like 95, 105, that kind of thing. Then they're only 71 at this point. So I can't see them making you know their usual total and I think that's that's had an impact I think the lack of a kind of consistent number nine although you know Guardiola will rotate he he generally in the past has had a kind of a central striker and we haven't really seen that uh Jesus has been off the boil and Aguero's obviously been injured um so it would be interesting if they uh recruit in the summer um KDB perhaps doesn't have the injury problems he's had. Um, they perhaps don't go as deep in Europe. I mean, that's definitely been an influence in the last mm. kind of few weeks. Um, and I think you'd start to see those, you know, KDB and Sterling and, you know, a striker if they bought one would be much higher up that that scale. And I think those are the ones that have really thrown people. And KDB and Sterling have, you know, time and time again, as Anthony was saying, you know, people have tried to use City to, to push themselves up and they just haven't done it. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be the interesting one next season. I think um, Sterling as well. He's definitely there's been decline of the and it's been documented in the Athletic via Samley. And if you watch them as well, as of, in terms of um, City, just as you said, strangling the game to death. Like Sterling used to just thrive on the Man City goal, which was basically an early cross into the box and the late arrival scoring. That was the Man City goal, and it was often Raheem Sterling on the end of that goal. Like, three seasons in a row, two hundred plus points. This season, absolutely nowhere, absolutely nowhere, 141 points. And if you watch him as well, um, it doesn't matter if we agree with form or not, he's just he's just not at the races in the same way. It's just been incredible, hasn't it, Nick, to see him decline um, and to see kind of these exiters in general. Um, I mean, what, what's your view on these guys? Is it all over for them or will we see a resurgence in players like Sterling, players like Mane perhaps? Yeah, I think I think with Sterling and and De Bruyne, it, it's not been quite their season, but obviously, sort of from a team collective, Manchester City have had a great season considering you know the, the competitions they're still in. Um, they could probably you know they're going to win the title as well. It's just been more of a team performance, perhaps. Uh, the likes of Sterling hasn't quite been at the races. I was just looking at some of the stats earlier in terms of sort of his goal threat and sort of some of his shot accuracy, just even over the course of the last six game weeks, and you know 
he's just been missing like so many attempts. It's, it's ridiculous. So over the course of the season, his shot accuracy is sort of thirty eight point five percent. So it's, it's really low compared to um, what we've seen from him from sort of previous campaigns. And, and De Bruyne as well. Like he went through almost like over half the season without actually having a goal from open play. So it's just a massive sort of drop in form from him. You know, thirteen goals and twenty three assists he had last campaign. And it was always like we always kind of knew that he was perhaps overperforming to a certain extent last year. There would be a little bit of a drop in performance. I think it was expected. But, you know, he's halved his goal tally down to five. His assists have also dropped down to 11. I mean, he has had a bit of an injury um, at various points in the season, but subsequently um, it's just not been a season. But certainly I think with De Bruyne and Sterling, I would not write them off at all. Um, I, I, you know, the likes of Jamie Vardy as well. I, you know, he's, he is 34 now, so maybe... You know, we, we might not see him at his best again because um, obviously he's one of the main talents for sort of catching players on the break, sort of the electric pace. But, um, you know, I would, I would also say, even though Vardy's 34, I'd still say write him off um, at your peril just because of what we've seen from him over the past five, six uh, years in the in the Premier League where he's been one of the best forwards in, in the league. And, and same with Aubameyang. Again, like, you know, ever since, sort of in true Arsenal fashion, ever since he's got his bump a new contract he's been rubbish but um you know he's, he's obviously a supremely talented footballer as, as we have seen over the past couple of years so even though it's not quite worked out for some of these guys this year I'm sure we'll see them back to their best and improve um, next year I think I'm similar to you Nick in that I'm right off Vardy at your peril but I think more so than you I do think that for the time might make it just that little bit more difficult for him and I actually I know maybe you'd you might suggest I'm just betting on a flash in the pan too heavily, but I would say that Ihenacho is probably more likely to get to that 200 club than very next season. Oh, just, intriguing. Yeah, intriguing I would say. Um, but that's obviously putting an awful lot of reliance on a very you know short enough period of form. Um, but I think he has got that sort of thing in him, especially if they decide to try and build the team around him. And I think he has maybe given himself that you know an entitlement to expect that from Rodgers going into next season. Looking at the rest of those exiters, Aubameyang, I really don't know what to think of them because I don't know what to think of Arsenal anymore. And I, I, I've had this kind of constant battle with trying to understand Arsenal and I've just decided I don't understand Arsenal. And so Aubameyang especially is one that I'll just, you know, just stay away from in this. So then there's Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's one player who may have exited the top t- or the 200-point club this year, but I do not see that happening again. Like Looking at just the basic numbers, he scored half the number of goals this season. He's got a third of the assists and he's got half the clean sheets. Almost the same amount of bonus points though, interestingly. That's not going to happen again. I suspect especially the assists will go up and the clean sheets will go up and that mm-hmm. will bring him nicely along towards the 200 club, even before you think that he might have a bit more gold potential later on. I do think as well, this is a bit speculative. I think he could easily end up being an out-of-position midfielder who's still classed as a defender at some point next season. Just I feel that that's the trajectory his career is going on and that would obviously make him uh, even better from an FPL perspective than he's ever been before. So I'd be really excited for him. Mane, there's nothing to say he can't. He has been unusually off it. But I do have a theory with him that between him and Salah, one of them probably has to leave Liverpool this season. And I could see him... I could see Mane if he ends up being the survivor doing it and breaking the 200 club at Liverpool, but I could also see him getting to the 200 club at another Arsenal-esque type club too, for sure. <laughs> he's, he's, better, he's much better than Arsenal. He has been in the 200 club before as well, don't forget. Um, but yeah, no, interesting uh, nomination, Trent adds on to Arnold to be the, the next Gareth Bale there. That's uh, really, really interesting indeed. Uh, Lucy, I guess entrance next year to 2021-22 200 club, 
anyone you think has a potential going forward? Potentially a Chelsea asset, given that we've had that kind of turbulence at Chelsea this season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone, and I, I don't want people to laugh, but Timo Werner, I wouldn't be surprised to see him around that kind of mark. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously had a terrible season in front of goal, uh, but he, you know, I expect Chelsea to be pretty kind of strong in terms of challenging the title, and I think he will likely be a part of it. Similarly, Kai Havertz, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in there. I, yeah, I just think Chelsea have kind of are an obvious omission from the kind of higher end of the of the points table at the moment so I would think that there will be one of them involved um I think actually it's worth pointing out that we may have doubts about our kind of usual reliable picks so for example Salah is meant to be going to the Olympics and that might have an impact on his beginning of season and he will also have AFCON so that might mean that although he probably will make it he might not make it in such a convincing fashion as normal I think the only one to pick up up there is Werner as well. I had him down too. God, I looked at his XG on understat, <laughs> 13 goals, um, and he scored six. So, yeah, massive underperformance there. Um, as we actually did, um, caution at the start of the season, having played Fancy Bundesliga and watched him. He is an incredibly frustrating character in front of goal, and it has proved yeah, incredibly difficult to kind of guess a bit. Equally, if he's, he's got the underlying numbers. So as a player who does kind of work in streaks, he will hit a rich vein of form and do well over the course of four or five games, fall off for a little bit and get back on that horse. Um, it's only a matter of time, I think, with Werner, depending on how it's set up around him. It looks like uh, Mr. Tickle is going to do that. And I think he'd be a really interesting pick next year, especially if he kind of continues to be a, the butt of the jokes this year like kind of at the start of next season not me looking at him if Chefs do get a reasonable start of the season um, I think that he could be one who could just dark horse into a few teams and actually do pretty well and might have a nice little price drop as well Lucy that's so, what I was uh, about to say it'll be interesting to see how they price him up we often see that don't we when a player underperforms we probably get a bit of a I, I was surprised he's son as cheap as he was and I wonder if Vern will, will have a similar kind of um, issue, well not issue actually benefit um, so yeah Hey. Yeah, I think one one player I actually considered um, separately was uh, Phil Foden as a possible uh, player that could hit that 200 club. So he's actually been sort of doubling his output season by season and improving every year. Um, And yeah, he's he's only 20 years of age as well. He's he's so young. Um, This season, he's actually um, only 10 points behind De Bruyne. Um, in terms of FPL points. So he's uh, having a really, really good season, obviously, with Manchester City. And what we've seen with a lot of the other players this season is the rotation threat. Um, and it kind of depends as to whether Pep actually fully trusts him enough to play him week in, week out, or if he's still going to try and argue the case that he's, he's too young to start every game and, and must be rotated for his development. So a little bit of a question mark there in terms of the minutes, obviously, with Foden. But just in terms of what he's actually outputting on the pitch um, has been excellent this season. So he's got seven goals and eight assists. Um, and yeah, that's only in 1,442 minutes of football. So in order to enter the 200 club um, on that sort of rate of return, you'd only need to play 2,400 minutes of next season, which was, would sort of be sort of two thirds of the, the minutes over the course of the campaign. So I, I certainly think Foden perhaps um, won. I don't know really, to be honest, if it's going to be his year next year, but maybe the year after that, he could definitely be someone in the future that hears that that target um but yeah the, the other one I guess I'll mention now um, that I kind of thought perhaps is another one who could do it and I said 
his name earlier was Marcus Rashford. Um, so last season he was really close, and if he was a midfielder, he'd have made it. Um, he got 17 goals and eight assists that year, um, and this year he has um, increased his assists tally up to 10, but um, only has 10 goals. So not quite made it this year. Um, I mean, there's a possibility if he nets a hat trick in the next game or something, but hasn't quite done it. Uh, but only really sort of five goals away from that 200 points target. So certainly another one that could um, enter that Hall of Fame, so to speak, of of 200 points in FPL. Yeah, so I think one interesting thing that makes a player able to get into the 200 club is being able to get double figures for goals and assists. And of course, there will be players who can get there without necessarily getting to that, you know, double figures in goals and assists. But I think it's a pretty decent way to imagine how a player could get there. And so the guys have mentioned Rashford and he obviously got 10 goals and 10 assists this season 160 points is a fine season but like that clearly shows he's a player that could do better Werner is actually the only Chelsea player who has actually reached double figures in all competitions for goals and assists so far this year and I think you could see him you know obviously finish a little bit better next season and just add to what he's been doing and I don't necessarily I don't get I haven't given up on him at all just yet Havertz is a player who could do it as well and we've seen that in the Bundesliga previously you the guys also mentioned City and they talked about uh, the lack of a number nine. I think that is something that affected De Bruyne this season. But it's also something that Aguero, for example, was able to break 200 when fit and playing twice in recent seasons, three times in total while he's been at City. So it kind of shows you that a City number nine would be a classic example of someone who could come in. And then maybe thinking even more broadly, the likes of Jack Grealish and Wilf Saha are the types of players who have shown at much smaller clubs that they're capable of getting to double figures for goals and assists. And if they get a move or even if the club that they're at improve around them to some extent, they are definitely people who could reach that 200-point club. I actually wonder with Grealish and Zaha, such as their kind of talismanic status, if mm-hmm. they move to certain larger clubs where they become more of a squad player, does that actually kind of damage them because I think Grealish would have got quite close this season had yeah. he like stayed you know it probably been part of the team and being fit and I just wonder someone like him if he went to you know a squad with lots of options whether he might not necessarily get the minutes in order to provide that kind that's of the, um, that's the Riyad Mahrez effect isn't it to a certain extent so he's only been in the 200 club that one year at Leicester and every year He's been close to it, but I think it's been about minutes really for him, hasn't it? As opposed to performance when he has played, because when he plays, he seems to return, but doesn't doesn't always get those minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one, really. For like the 200 club, it is very important also to be playing regularly. And I guess that's something that's maybe affected the whole host of City players. I mean, you mentioned Foden, Nick, earlier as someone who could clearly reach it if he just gets the minutes. And that if is going to hang over all of those players uh, for quite some time on thing, unless things kind of crystallise a little bit more under Pep or under probably won't be under a new manager but crystallise under Pep to some extent more Yeah definitely I think also about Werner I was just thinking about like he might be reclassified as a midfielder as well which could benefit his output so he's definitely a great shout um, for one that could hit the 200 club if he can just get his uh, shooting boots right Interesting. Yeah, I think it takes a certain sort of player doesn't it just to round off the discussion to get you from being a good player at the start of the season. So think about what we were saying about Calvert-Lewin, for example, at the start of the year. This guy, you know, he's going to make it throughout the course of the year. Well, you know, he's only on 148 points and he's been outscored by Ollie Watkins, a famously talentless Ollie Watkins um, so far this season. Um, and it really is the case that you've got to have that sort of gladiatorial sense of continuing consistency in order to make it into that 200 club. 
just for one season, let alone season after season. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of hear from the likes of Salah, who just make it there every year, um, through the likes of Sterling and why they may have fallen off, according to us. Um, through to the likes of Mane, who, you know, last year and the year before were very, very good and could come back. You know, Hazard's a great example. He had that horrid season 2017-18 um, where he couldn't really get going and still managed to get only 173 points then came back to finish second in FPL the next season on his final season at Chelsea. Um, it'll be really interesting to see as well whether the likes of Foden and co uh, move forward. But nonetheless, you know, the 200 club, I guess, is always going to be one of those kind of key considerations for us in terms of the key decisions in FPL, be it captaincy, be it transfers in, be it team structure. Um, so yeah, really interesting discussion there. Let's move on to the questions after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. As I said earlier, the code is CPSUOF if you want to be a, um, a late joiner to the league. So I'll do a quick roundup of the top five. Uh, dropping down a few places, it's Ryan Hobbs with Hobbsy's Heroes, only 35 points for him. Uh, also dropping down is Abdul Hussain, uh, also scoring 35 points, uh, both on the exact same score right now, 2,300. So it's very, very tight, actually, at the top. Um, and one point ahead is, is Victor Sandberg. He's on 2,301. Um, in second, just one point ahead again, it's Tim Franson. Um, he's on 2,302, but number one in the league, rising up the ranks, decent week for him, getting 48 points is Graham Sessom. So he's nine points ahead of Tim, 2,311 in total, um, sort of, the likes of uh, Ben Chilwell sort of doing the business for him, a few random differentials there and Son and Chris Wood and uh, Semedo even picking up a random assist, uh, uh, taking him up sort of, sort of 307 overall rank. So yeah, um, having a great season there, Graham. Very well done indeed. Right, so the correspondence is the next part of this particular section. And it's uh, well, a, a well-known uh, corresponder, Anthony, who's uh, sent in another question for us to answer, and quite a timely one, I guess, uh, given how this game week has gone. Yeah, yes, indeed, the correspondence section, which is, of course, your chance to have your comments, questions, addendums, and creative endeavours featured and dissected in long form on the pod. Uh, correspondence this week was greatly received to who got the assist at gmail.com from FPL Raccoon uh, Rishi, who's a master friend of the show, and his, uh, as he starts off his email. This one is for you, Anthony, from one of WGTA's number one fans and an OG long-term listener. Uh, Rishi, basically, he heard us talking about midfield differentials a few weeks back, and following on from that, uh, he thought it would be interesting to hear us discuss the template five midfielders uh, and rate them from most essential to dispensable. So those core five being for him, and he was trying to look past the blank game week when he was looking at this, were Salah, Jota, Bruno, Son and Lingard in that order. Now, bear in mind that Rishi emailed in a few weeks back, so the trials and tribulations of owning Jota have uh, meant that he wouldn't necessarily be that high in Rishi's list now. So it's an interesting question that he asked us there about rating those five template midfielders, but I'm going to take it a little bit further for us and ask you all if you agree with Rishi's core five mids and the order thereof. But I'd also ask you to consider a few differential names that could be considered for the final few weeks of the season, maybe taking effective ownership and fixtures into account, specifically in that midfield category. So, uh, Lucy, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, as queen of the template, um, I would say that's pretty much how I'd have them. Um, Jota's the only one I don't own. I have the other four. Um, and they are pretty much Jota. I have kind of umdenard about for probably five or six weeks, and just never kind of he's never been a priority. And I've the thing I always have with Jota is that you don't really know if you're getting the minutes out of him. And I I just feel that that's 
kind of quite undervalued people look at a lot of you know expected stats but when it comes to minutes especially at the stage of the season when you're expecting kind of European rotation and all that kind of uncertainty um so Jota's the one that I've kind of struggled to buy into I think um if I was gambling against any of them at the moment it would be against Lingard I think it's it's a tricky one because we don't really understand streaks in our kind of statistical modeling so you know I think he might have come to the end of his streak or he might be tailing off um and he obviously doesn't have double game week I I would he would be the one that I'd be looking at kind of potentially moving on um the the other three four yeah Jota comes back into it just because of the potential the double game week potential and the other three I wouldn't touch so yeah so I you're think... you're five then if you had a five who would they <sighs> uh well Salah and Bruno I would be terrified to go without um yeah. I think I'd have a Jota or a Greenwood um mm-hmm. I think Son isn't got a double game week but his fixture is good enough and I, I think Mason seems to have taken the, the handbrake off there so I I would still think Son was in there it's just that fifth one I I I Given that I'm playing a lot of three four three at the moment, I probably would just downgrade them to someone rubbish like Smith Rowe or something. Um, but yeah, I James Ward Prowse is one I spoke about earlier. If you want a kind of cheaper one in that slot, I think the fixtures are there, the double game week's there, there's no blank. I, I maybe look at him, but I, I would probably just be looking at the kind of key four at the moment. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that um, it's hard to look past the players that you mentioned that you'd be uh, deadly scared of. I also think that Lingard is the kind of guy that I point out as being the one that perhaps may have uh, become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of the performance stuff. I think we often see it, don't we? Um, these sort of picks, when they are an unknown quantity for a while, they absolutely can explode every now and again. And then they trail off because managers, opposition managers, that is, make designs on them. The, the, the manager that manages them says, right, okay, I know that other teams have been looking at you now because you've been scoring and assisting. So it's time for the other blokes to kind of take a step forward. And also, the FBL herd jumps on these players as soon as they start to trade off. The amount of people I've seen complaining, oh, you know, I fell for the FOMO on Lingard. Oh, I brought him in after, you know, the boat has left. Absolutely kind of makes sense uh, that he would be the one that I'd be also pointing out as being one who's kind of failed, not failed actually, but fallen off a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I've got Mason Greenwood, uh, Bruno and Salah uh, uh, this week. I would have, uh, I, I wish I did remove Bruno for, for Bale, but that is Captain Hindsight very much talking on my behalf there. Um, I've got Lingard and I've got Jota. Um, I think I'm going to probably keep that midfield for the time being. I might move Jota for someone else this week just to kind of uh, uh, get somebody uh to try to get a better midfield defender in for Rudiger for the double game week but it's actually quite a difficult situation now um but equally that kind of equals opportunity as in terms of the EO stuff that Rishi mentioned earlier on um because in not owning the same players as everybody else as we found out this week if you did own a bail and Son perhaps is a bit more template but he was obviously sold very heavily up until this week um 
not owning, I don't know, lights for Martinez and throwing in a Mendy. Um, having those differentials now is going to make such a huge impact on your season. Um, and if you are able to anticipate and look at the likes of Template Central and kind of think, okay, I'm going to bet against them. Okay, the season, as we said earlier on, was not the season. It has not been the season to be betting against the Template. Um, but I think that that equally is where the opportunity lies uh, in terms of making those massive rank jumps because at the end of the day, conforming um, is not going to be the way uh, to move forward here. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon um, to that? How would you look at the template midfield and what sort of areas would you be thinking here as an opportunity to to progress? Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with quite a few of the points that both of you made um, just in relation to the the five players that um, have been mentioned. Um, Lingard um, hasn't been in my team and neither has Mo Salah. And though I've been punished, you know, couple of the last few game weeks at least this game week it kind of worked out to a certain extent in my favour um, Jota was the one sort of the bottom of the pile I guess for me out of those five if I was to choose before sort of perhaps um, this weekend obviously with a double game week and the cancellation and Lingard blanking tonight things have shifted a little bit in terms of how I'd rate that template it was quite interesting as you mentioned there about Lingard and perhaps opposition managers targeting him a little bit more knowing what he can do now because it was actually sort of watching the games of Ben Rama that was kind of creating all of those chances for West Ham so he um, he created five chances um, Antonio got on the end of one of them um, also had a couple of goal attempts which he, he screwed up um, in the course of the game as well so he was getting a lot of opportunity whilst Lingard wasn't really as heavily involved as we've seen in the past few game weeks so perhaps he's one um, to consider selling if, if people do own him uh, but certainly I think um, Salah's definitely key and, and Bruno as well especially now with the double game week I'm, I'm probably going to sell Son just to get Salah in just because uh, Spurs don't have a game week uh, double game week even though it's a little bit of a risk it's just the way I can afford um, to do my moves but I've also got Christian Pulisic so he was the differential pick that I went for I want, I decided not to go for Lingard I was taking that gamble and went for Pulisic and unfortunately for me it's, it's not worked out he was getting returns before I got him in got a, a brace and a goal um, for that so I was hoping to jump on sort of the next trend so to speak the next bandwagon but he scored in Europe and then didn't play in the league so a little bit frustrating for me to to bring him in but he's probably going to have to go as well and sort of one of those players I think who might come in even though I can't afford him at the moment is it's Wilf Saha uh, perhaps is another one that could be a template buster in that midfield just because of the double for Crystal Palace and, and the single game week so certainly I think he's one maybe that could be kind of entering that sort of five if we're going to name another fifth player but I think what Lucy said about sort of going for a three four three, probably more up my street at the moment because I've got sort of Caney and Nacho and Watkins as my front line so maybe some sort of like fifth midfielder who can just sit there and, and do nothing perhaps the answer and, and yeah as, as you mentioned Tom about some of the differentials we also had Kai Havertz score a brace this week um, we had Aubameyang score and get an assist as well and, and Bayer obviously with a hat-trick so you know, whilst we've got these template midfielders, if you're really looking to sort of break the EO, so to speak, and, and climb up the ranks, um, it might be the time to look at some of these alternate picks as opposed to sort of the, the template five as we put them. Yeah, so I think maybe to summarise what you guys are saying, I feel that it, it seems like Salah and Bruno are definitely agreed upon, like nailed on in our five, no matter who's speaking. Then Jota, Greenwood and Son are pretty much there, but sometimes have to be compromised on in various ways to fit 
others of, you know, two out of the three will probably be in most of our teams. And then the likes of the differentials that we're really speaking about, you have Zaha, Ward-Prowse, Havertz, Bale. And I'm going to throw in a Manchester City risk here, a player who definitely won't be playing in the Champions League games and who I think, with that in mind, is more likely to play in their league games. And that's Ferran Torres, who has two goals in the last three game weeks. And obviously has the capacity to do something pretty good. The City team can still hammer anybody and they've obviously been grinding away through. Uh, Tars is as good a pick as any, basically. Um, if you were looking at the midfielders, even, you know, he's obviously not a midfielder, but Gabby Jesus mm. would nearly, you know, be merit consideration based on the same kind of counter-cyclical kind of reasoning, really, more than anything. So, yeah, there are opportunities there. Uh, choose wisely and basically choose whatever Lucy is choosing and it'll probably work out well in the end for you (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah so I hope that was good for you Rishi Uh, thanks very much for emailing us in if you want to feature in the correspondence section who got the assist at gmail.com your comments questions addendums creative endeavors like poetry songs we'll have it send it on yep I'll sing it right let's move on to double game week 35 um so health warning um there may be a double game with liverpool and west brom coming up due to the events the other day obviously liverpool didn't play today and so we can kind of reasonably assume that there's going to be a double game with liverpool and ben krelling um we have heard um through um some channels and he's saying that it's probably likely to happen this game week that they're likely to have a very very nice one as well and um, basically what's going to happen in game week 35 is that Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Man United, Southampton, Arsenal, Chelsea and Leicester have double game weeks of varying um, good lookingness, uh, varying attractiveness um, do go and have a look at those um, on Ben Crellin's uh, site and um, what might happen as well um, due to the fact there was obviously that cancellation between Man United and Liverpool is that a couple of games that shifted around it could mean that Liverpool have the following double game week, Southampton at home and West Brom away, uh, which makes that an incredibly attractive game week uh, for anybody, um, any manager looking to buy players in or looking to find a captain and West Brom have Arsenal away and Liverpool at home. Um, so if that is the double game week kind of picture for 35, barring Liverpool, it, it actually isn't that great. So Aston Villa, Man United and Everton, Crystal Palace, Sheffield Nice and Southampton. Okay, that looks okay. Everton, West Ham and Aston Villa away. Okay, that looks okay. Man United, Aston Villa and Leicester, Southampton, Liverpool and Crystal Palace. Ew. Uh, Liverpool, all right, that looks good. Southampton, West Brom, Arsenal, West Brom and Chelsea. Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal. Leicester, Newcastle, Man United and West Brom, Arsenal and Liverpool. Doesn't look like the best game week in the world, does it, in terms of double game weeks? Is this just a massive trap is the question I want to ask. I saw that Adam Hotcroft on the Green Arrow before the Liverpool game week potential came in and was basically saying this is perhaps one of those pictures, one of those lists that doesn't particularly appeal. And I completely agree with him if we're looking at the likes of Everton, Nick, you mentioned earlier, um, Zaha. But if you're looking at Crystal Palace and trying to big them up as being a team that's worth investing in, surely we should be running for the hills here, Lucy, right? We should be looking at this sort of thing and thinking, oh, really? These are all teams we've been writing off. Should we really be buying them in? Yeah, I think this is one of those situations where I think particularly the teams that double and then blank are a massive trap. I think it's best to look at game week 35 and game week 36 as a pair rather than trying to isolate one from the other. Because the fact is, if you overcommit on that 35, you are left so short on 36. Um, so I, so those teams where they 
day Dublin 35 and, and Blanket 36. I wouldn't bring any more of those in if you've already got them. Um, I don't think, now, I know the Chelsea one looks awful, Man City Arsenal, but I feel like Tuchel likes to go really dull and, and really solid. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got a clean sheet out of one of those. I mean, the Arsenal game, obviously. Um, sorry, sorry, Tom. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind. I've long given up being upset at these things. Okay, if, good. Yeah, if, ta- if Tom was best. getting offended for Arsenal, geez. <laughs> um, I think I, I probably wouldn't bother with Zaha. I just think he's too expensive for what he is and what pallets are. Um, and also, he he loves getting wound up against when he plays Southampton. I don't know if you noticed, but Ward Prowse gets right under his skin, and he was lucky not to get sent off. Recently, they hate so. each other, don't they? It's brilliant. Yeah, it's just <laughs> sheer pantomime. I just love it. Um, and you can see Ward Prowse just just like slowly just winding him up. It's brilliant. Um, so I probably wouldn't go there. Um, I think the Man United one is decent enough. It's not great. It's fine. It wouldn't put me off any of their players. I'll probably bring in. I've only got Bruno, so I'll probably bring in another one. Um, but yeah, I just wouldn't commit to teams that you already know you don't really fancy um, because one one extra fix doesn't really make any difference. Um, so yeah, I'd probably look at Calvert-Lewin if you needed a striker. I'd probably look at Luca Dean, but I, I think there's nothing hugely attractive. Um, and as you say, it's the Liverpool game where I I would go big. I would I would probably get three Liverpool players. Yeah, that's the way it is, isn't it? I mean, I did have a look at, to your point about getting teams who have got the 35 and the, uh, sorry, teams who have got the 35 and the 36. I'd look at the XGI over the last four for double game week teams. And um, you're looking at Calvert-Lewin, who's top for the XGI over the last four with 2.46. JWP, second, 1.97. But the penalty probably does play a big part of that. In fact, two penalties. I think he missed one, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And then El Ghazi in third. 5.2 5.2 million hero. He is a player who I'm going to be saying I'm going to be buying um, for double game week, double game week fever. Um, Ollie Watkins, Benteke, Benteke. Uh, wow. Um, who's going to be buying him? Uh, I'm sure there's going to be somebody on their protest who's like, oh, wow, I catch Benteke, lads. I've gotten 25 points out of him. No, 24. If they get, yeah, if they get 25 from a captain. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of Hindu Monkey's teams has Benteke. I'm sure he does. Of the thousands of accounts that he runs and thousands of teams that he's got, um, he's definitely got Benteke somewhere. They're all rubbish, yeah. Guys can be very angry. And then and Danny Ings, um, actually, um, is, is rounds off that list, but he's obviously injured. And in defence as well, um, chances created over the last four. Um, Coleman, Seamus Coleman, a Coleman gate hero, Brandon Pritchard. Um, he's created the most chance over the last four of the kind of the, the motley crew of teams um, who feature fe- feature in this list of having double game week also a, a game week afterwards El Mohamedy in second in me uh, Dean in third and then the likes of Matt Target KWP and Cash also appearing so it really is a motley crew Nick isn't it I mean are there any players here that you're vaguely excited about I'm sure Luca Dean one of your key men from the past must be featuring heavily in your mind yeah I'm, I'm a bit annoyed about Luca Dean actually because I wanted to get him in last week um but I was 0.1 million short of that move. So I ended up getting his mate, uh, Mason Holgate. In, oh, no. And there's, I think there's a six point swing in terms of uh, points. I think Dean picked up an assistance and bonus. So that was a little bit frustrating that I've now got sort of Holgate stinking out my team, but I had a sort of a defensive crisis with Rudiger being out. So um, never mind about that particular move, but um, yeah, I think the focus is on Liverpool now. Um, 
I was going to get rid of Jota actually originally, but now with the potential double, he'll be staying. And, you know, the underlying stats actually for Jota and Salah are sort of the best of all the midfielders from the last six game weeks with sort of Salah having 17 goals and Jota having 16. So I think um, both those guys are pretty critical. And then Trent in defence, of course, as well. Um, he's second for chances created of all defenders in the last six, only behind Luke Shaw. So, um Luke Shaw's perhaps another option that's emerged now. Now United have that double as well. So he's another one perhaps in the defensive picks that um, people may be looking to target as a sort of relatively cheap option as well. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's the midfielders, unfortunately. So I'm going to have to get rid of Son to, to get Mo Salah in. And I think the full guy is also going to have to be Christian Pulisic just because of the double for Chelsea and the single... Um, so and then the blank the following week um but i think that works out pretty well just in general for my team just in terms of the double game week and the blanks because it means uh, 10 double game week players alongside harry kane and then a full complement of playing stuff for the following week as well so i think in terms of the double game week it's not that exciting but at least it might present a sort of a final opportunity to try and at least climb some uh, overall rank before we sort of hit that that sort of last game week which is always extremely sort of unpredictable but it is really about the, the other midfield slot for me um so as i said i'm gonna get salary and i'm gonna sell pulisic but i've got a budget of 6.3 million for that sort of fourth midfielder and it's yeah you are with you are looking at the dregs um at that budget as i said i would get zaha but i can't stretch to him either oh so i'm looking at if you want the uh crystal palace oh no yeah don't buy don't buy him don't buy him um, but i'm also looking at um Stuart armstrong lucy so he's another one who's actually got some decent underlying stats um looking pretty sharp getting forwards only 5.5 million uh four goals six assists so yeah maybe armstrong as a pick um, yeah, Armstrong is quite an interesting one. I thought he'd do much better this season than he has. And I think he was unfortunate in the sense that he had quite a number of injuries at the beginning of the season when we were actually any good and you might actually want any of our players. And then when he became good, we were quite bad. So he's kind of got quite unlucky, I think, in that respect. The only thing that I would say about Armstrong um, is that he has in the last couple of games played in central midfield and our, our central midfielders quite, play quite deep. So that would put me off a little bit. Um, it really depends how Hasenhutl wants to play that. Diallo has traditionally played that when Romeo's not been available, but he's been quite poor recently. So yeah, Armstrong's played that role. And I would think that would have an impact on, on his kind of stats. But yeah, I, I think there are plenty worse ideas. Um, I quite like the El Ghazi pick, even if I'm not sure it was entirely serious. Um, well, it's dead, yeah. deadly serious. I'm, I'm okay. definitely going to sing his <laughs> praises right now. He's actually top for XG, Lucio. The last two game weeks. Yeah, for the last two game weeks, there's a huge sample there. Last a huge two sample. game weeks. <laughs> he's on form. Uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It, it is absolutely rubbish, but it is because he's one of those players who, because he's 5.2, and because he is, if you've watched any Aston Villa when he's been on the pitch, he is the most selfish player you could ever imagine playing football. And he's also on penalties. Um, in Jack Ridge's absence, he's a really fun pick I think and at 5.2 you can play him for a double game week only for double game week and happily consign him to the bench after that he's 5.2 you know it's all kind of priced in uh, to what he can give you and if you are looking at just kind of saying right okay I want a double game week player to kind of come in and do a job for me um, I think that he would be a player that I would be seriously looking at I come back to it again he's 5.2 so he's a player who is producing the data He's not very good. Sorry, how much are you producing with? the data? Five point two, yeah, five point two, Lucy. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry, didn't hear that. 
Any other picks for you guys? Any other kind of randomers that you'd be throwing in there? Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, I'm guessing Anthony would be top of the list for you. Oh yeah, I love Kev. No, it's actually the uh, 5.2 Anwar El Ghazi that I'd certainly picked out as well as a good differential pick there, to be perfectly honest with you. It's, it's, it's really is a dregs. I think really uh, you guys have distilled it quite well. It's, it's the triple up on Liverpool. It's probably the triple up on Manchester United as well. For United, I kind of feel like it's finishing off, finishing second, basically. For Liverpool, the dream of qualifying for the Champions League certainly isn't dead yet. Um, I suspect winning against United in the reschedule game in Game Week 36 will probably decide it for them um, one way or another, or maybe give them something in those final weeks. But for now, anyway, I feel like six players from those two teams it can't possibly go wrong for people again like it did uh, in this game week. Um, otherwise, that oh, really, it's just such a smattering. So I, I don't need to be repeating the likes of players that you guys picked out. Uh, I do actually like the Seamus Coleman pick. And Tom, you you ba- you banter joked a few weeks back on the pod that I might suggest Seamus Coleman as a pick, and I'm actually doing it now because you know it's, it's a good stuff that he produces there. Even though Everton are not good and frustrating and unpredictable and everything that goes with it. With Coleman, do we have any concern about his minutes? Because that's the thing I look at. And worry. We, have, we have concern about any player who plays for the Republic of Ireland's minutes. Uh, this is just how it is. We are always concerned, Lucy. But we're particularly concerned about Captain James Coleman, Captain Fantastic himself. Yeah, no, there is a concern there for sure. He um, he seems to have more nailed that spot uh, as this season has developed. But certainly earlier in the year, he was really, really, really dicey and at risk at pretty much all times when he was actually playing. So do you pick him? Who was playing there, Anthony? Was it, it was Ben Godfrey, wasn't it? Who was doing the job there? Who's the alternative? Is it is it Ben Godfrey or Iwobi in a three five two? No, it wasn't in Kuka. He hasn't. He barely played at all. No, it was the Ben Godfrey, and it was just kind of the formation. John Joe's out in Germany somewhere. Did Holgate ever go right back? They they did literally everything to keep him. And then Godfrey ended up being used for everything, didn't he? Yeah. He did, but Ancelotti eventually uh, saw the light and has started to give Seamus consistent minutes. Look, it would be, it. I think for me, that's much more a heart overhead pick if I was to choose him. Uh, I'd like, you know, Michael Keane's always getting up there for headers as well. And I, I kind of feel like I want to own him for a headed goal at some point this season. So it'd be great to have that uh, moment of triumph with him, but I don't necessarily think I'm actually going to do it because for me anyway, I can't afford to bring in Coleman with the minutes problem because as we've just heard, like I had eight players not play this game week. I have to be like sure that my players are 90-minute men going forward. So it wouldn't be a pick for me. Uh, El Ghazi kind of fits that particular mold as well. And I don't think yeah, I have a... Uh, El Ghazi I, wagon. Joy, uh, no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm not joining the wagon because I just don't, have the, tra- I don't have the transfer. I'm like Nick, need to get Salah into my side. So I just don't have that midfield... Um, transfer space and I need to fix my smouldering defensive ruins with Holgate and Rudiger and a, just a giant, oh Diaz as well just a giant load of disappointment there I think maybe one way of looking at it is what Lisa said earlier on about the 36 um, so as you know, Everton obviously, you know, Coleman's been written off heavily by Irishman Anthony O'Shea in, in an acts of sedition um, but he does have Sheffield United at home in game week 36 so maybe mm-hmm. he'd be a player that you would be kind of pointing out and thinking oh actually, you know, he's potentially got a double, you know, Nick's man, Holgate as well, also fits in the, the role there. Um, and I guess the second highest uh, one on the ticker is Southampton. They got Fulham in 36 and a home game against Leeds in 37. So could KWP be one of those kind of cheap inputs that may be doing a job for people there, Lucy? 
I'd actually be more interested if Vestergaard's red card gets overturned. Now, I don't know if it will, and I don't want to inter- insert my own biases here, but I was a little perplexed by the red card. Um, and if that was to be overturned, then I think he becomes very interesting because he is a key beneficiary of JWP's um, set pieces. So he would be more interesting to me. KWP, I he always looks like he's going to do more than he does. And actually, he reserved basically all of his like good attacking performances for the FA Cups. That was really useful for FPL players. Um, so I probably wouldn't bother, and I'd probably look in Everton's direction if you're looking at that kind of thing. But yeah, Vestergaard would be the one that I would be hoping for. Fingers crossed. Actually, a bit of a diversion from FPL for a second, Lucy. But when Vestergaard gets sent off so early in a game against Leicester, how did you feel? Like, was it just sheer terror? <laughs> Well, see, I was on Playmaker um, and literally everyone was like, ah, it's happening again. Ah. <laughs> People were like, Vardy's going to get a hat trick. Oh, this is brilliant. I love this. And I actually had to like message out, I know you think this is funny, but it's just not. Like, I was just sat there like, they're doing it all over again. What are they doing? Um, and then they came up with this gritty, like 10-man performance banked behind the ball. And I was honestly shocked because we never do that um and actually it was really good because I then got to go back on and be like ha, 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 ha. there's no there's no Patrick Vardy so screw you all um but that so, went really yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> well I was a bit more subtle than that I just enjoyed it anyway Fair enough. One, one day you were happy there was a social media blackout <laughs> yeah I I would have definitely turned my phone off <laughs> shall we shall we move on then to transfers and captains um, and yeah, I'll happily start. So as I said earlier, the, the glaring gap in my team is, is Mo Salah. Just the threat of that double game week, Southampton West Brom. I can't go without this guy. He's probably going to be the captain as well. Obviously, at this moment, we don't know what's happening with the fixtures. We're waiting for the news. Hopefully, we get something during the week that confirms it. But I think certainly for me, it's going to have to be Salah um, who comes in and, and gets that armband as well for that week. He, he's, he's there's no real other standout pick, to be honest. Um, so he's going to get the armband. And t- to get him in, it's going to have to be a hit as well, unfortunately. So Son will have to be the full guy, which is a bit of a risk because I actually think he could easily haul against Leeds. Could be one of those weeks, as we said earlier, about the sort of the traps um, where the single game week player might actually end up outscoring the double game week because we've um, seen in the past so a little bit of risk sending Son on a hit. Sending Pulisic, um, Chelsea's double is always a bit ugly anyway, so I'm not overly upset about that. And he's been a bit in and out of the team, but it's going to be someone, may, maybe Stuart Armstrong, that, that comes in um, as that sort of fourth midfielder or fifth midfielder for that particular week. So, yeah, that, that's my plan. Um, what about yourself, Lucy? Yeah, so the the kind of fixture change has thrown me a little. I was pretty set on just doing Gundogan to Warbrowse and then maybe another transfer, but I'm I'm quite tight at the back in that I've got uh, Trent and then a lot of kind of 5 million, sub 5 million defenders. So it's a little bit awkward. Um, I would quite like Luke Shaw. So there may be the potential that I downgrade a midfielder and, and get Luke Shaw in. It's all a bit, a bit uncomfortable at the moment, to be quite honest. Um, but I do have two, two free transfers, so I'm, I'm sure I kind of work something out. But at the moment, I've I've been a bit thrown by those transfer uh, by those fixtures. So, yeah, not quite sure at the moment. Um, but I do think someone, yeah, like Luke Shaw, is probably the kind of direction I'm going to go in, and that will probably mean I need to 
probably downgrade Son. Um, I'd ideally like to do something with Gundogan, though, so it's, it's a little bit confusing. I think I'm going to take a minus eight, and I've barely taken hits this season, so to take a minus eight now is a bit of a risk, but I want to chase down those 39 points to the top 10k, and I'm, I'm not going to do it by resting on my laurels at this point. So how am I going to do this? Basically, I don't want to sell Son, um, which means that I need to sell Lingard and finance a move to Salah that way, which is a bit unfortunate. Now, I did have four points something in the bank, which is a help, and I bought Lingard quite early, which is also a help, which means that if I get Salah, I need to find two million in my team. Part of that can be found by selling Diaz, which is great. He's 5.9 as my sell price. Unfortunately, he was more to sell a few weeks ago, but he has dropped since. Another unfortunate uh, part of the whole wood farrago that I've had. But I could sell Diaz and sell an other defender, probably Rudiger, who's injured, and I just couldn't be bothered dealing with it and Chelsea's fixtures are bad anyway. So I basically end up with two bad defenders coming in, somehow holding stays in my team. But then I end up having the ultimate five midfielders that Rishi would, from the correspondence section would be so proud of, of Salah Fernandez, Greenwood, Son and Jota for the double game week, uh, as well as having uh, Inacho and Kane up front and Alexander-Arnold and Shaw. So it's it's really kind of just gambling hard on that uh, game week and then really not enjoying Man United playing Liverpool and inevitably having a nil-all draw in the game week that follows. It's a bit of a risk, for sure, but that's what I want to do. Uh, who will be the captain for this game week? I'm a little bit between two minds on that. Uh, because if I brought Salah in, I think it would be him. Um, but at the same time, I still have to weigh up the kind of the madness of this particular move. It would probably just be default off to Bruno if I didn't get Salah in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably going to be the uh, that cost me for many people this week. For me, I'm going to use that lovely two free transfers, which I have gained uh, for a lot of pain. Um, not too sure it was worth doing, but there we go. Um, Jota was nailed on to be sold this week, absolutely nailed on. Um, until it was looking like that lovely, until that lovely double game week kind of perhaps has come onto the horizon, which means my executions axe has been stayed. Stayed instead, I'm thinking increasingly, as I've intimated earlier on, it's time to sunset dear old Jaylings. It's all over him. He's back from being um, a player who's expressing his potential to a player with potential. In fact, I have exact funds for Lingard and Rudiger, um, who we have all noticed is a bit annoying, um, has bad fixtures, and yeah, I think um, he's very unlikely he's going to play both the games. Um, those two out, and I can replace him, replace them uh, with Luca Dean and El Ghazi. Um, so that'll give me two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, that'll give me uh, basically ten double game because it'd be really, really nice. Um, and I probably won't be captioning Bruno or Salah. There's just no point in me doing so. So I'll probably be captioning Trent if they get double game week or Luca Dean if uh, Trent doesn't. Uh, but it probably looks like Liverpool will. Um, so I'm, I've got no problems with captioning Trent as has been shown in the past. So I've got no problem doing that again. Right. I think that's probably a lot, isn't it, Nick? Yep, that's a wrap. So we were Who Got the Assist. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And we're also joined by Lucy Hynett. Um, you can find her on Twitter at Lucy Hynett. And thanks so much for joining, Lucy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, if only just to brag about my rank. Yeah, thanks so much, Lucy. It's great to have you on. We will be back next Thursday for a 
Is that correct, Tom? Sorry, I didn't check. Yeah, yeah it is, next yeah. Thursday. Great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Lucy, for coming on. It was great to have you. We will be back next Thursday for a quick turnaround. And if you want to get correspondence in, we're actually short on correspondence at the moment, so it would be greatly appreciated. It's who got the assist at gmail.com. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on, Lucy. We hope we assisted you. Have a good week and enjoy the double game week. We'll be back for a 24 hour shelf life pod, which we will enjoy very, very much next Thursday. Good night and goodbye. Bye. 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 Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.